Welcome to Conversations in Equine Science. My name is Kate Acton and I'm joined by Nancy McLean. And this is the podcast where we take equine research and try and make it accessible to horse owners and enthusiasts alike. Remember that with each topic we discuss, it's important to get professional advice before implementing any of the strategies. This week, Nancy and I are discussing a paper that is titled Validity of Indicators of Dehydration in Working Horses, a Longitudinal Study of Changes in Skin Tent Duration, Mucous Membrane Dryness and Drinking Behaviour. And this is a study that was carried out by C. Byrne, and it is from 2008, but the information in the study still rings true today and is still valid. And the reason we ended up covering this study is it was actually suggested to us by a listener, Andy. So thank you very much. Andy wrote in, um, and let me just double check this was... This was at the end of July. So Andy says, this morning I noticed my 23-year-old horse's skin seemed a little lax and his skin was slow to return to normal on a skin tent test. This was worrisome because we're having a heat wave in Texas after the, well, right now, but that was at the end of July. Um, But I also know that he consumes several gallons of water every day in his soaked meals and through frequent trips to the water trough. This led me to read about skin tenting in horses and if it's really a reliable indicator of hydration. I found this study that I thought you ladies might be interested in. So we were very much interested in this study because it's such a great topic that we haven't really covered before. I think we've mentioned hydration a couple of times throughout other episodes, but not in this sense. And this study is a great one because it's a nice layout and kind of very, very straightforward with the facts and information. There is some additional information in there that if you don't have a science background or have kind of a a medical knowledge, it does take a little bit more digging into. But overall, um, the study basically wanted to assess whether skin tenting is reliable to see if a horse is hydrated or not. And skin tenting is where we take a little pinch of the skin and typically we do it over the shoulder, but it can be done on different parts of the body and we just pull it. And then once we let it go, we count how long it takes to return to normal and it should return to normal pretty quickly. So in this study, there were 50 horses with a positive skin tent test. And these horses were working in environmental temperatures of 30 to 44 degrees in Pakistan. They were rested and offered water to drink ad lib, so as much as they wanted. Their body weight, clinical signs and blood parameters were taken and also their drinking behaviour was looked at. So these um, parameters were all taken at 0 minutes, 30 minutes, 60 minutes, 120, 180, 240 and 300 minutes. And I believe it was over the course of two weeks, was it Nancy? Yes, yep. So it was over a significant amount of time with a nice sample, like 50 horses is a good sample for this test. And it was one tester that did the pinches every time. So that kind of creates a little bit more reliability. 
um, and in taking those clinical parameters. So we don't have kinds of subjectiveness between people of, you know, well, I think their mucous membranes are this amount of moisture when someone else thinks it's um, less or vice versa. So what they found in the actual um, testing is that skin tenting isn't very reliable. And that's something that we've been very aware of in veterinary for some time. So when we do our initial consultation and you come in and your animal's dehydrated, we will do a skin test. We basically just that little pinch of the skin and see how long it takes to go back to normal. We'll check their mucous membranes. We'll check their color. And we'll do a full clinical exam to really get an idea of kind of the condition that the animal's in. But to really reliably tell if they're dehydrated or not, we need to do a blood test to be accurate. And I think this is something that maybe more people are aware of in dogs because we've so many breeds, you know, that have different skin types. We've got breeds that have big rolls of skin. Um, in my dog personally, her neck is not a reliable indicator of a skin tent because if you just with two fingers pinch that scruff on the back of her neck, it could stay up for over a minute easily. Um, it just ends up sitting upright. So it doesn't really give us an accurate amount of information, but when we use it with everything, we can say, okay, they're definitely this percentage dehydrated. Once we actually get into tackling rehydrating, that is no longer valid because it's going to take so long for the water that the animal consumes or the fluids we give it to perfuse back out to the skin. The skin is going to be the last place it goes to because the body's going to try and reperfuse the organs first and the vital tissues. Yeah, that's all great points, Kate. I was so uh, surprised that the these were working um, horses. So they were in Pakistan as Kate said, it was, um, the temperatures were high. Um, I think you gave it 30 to 44 degrees and that's Celsius. So in, for those of us in North America, that would be 86 degrees to 104 degrees Fahrenheit, sometimes as high as 111 degrees and the humidity was high as well. And that all makes a difference, um, in a pinch test because they uh, were pinching the dry horses and then it rained and then they realized the moisture on the skin increased that pinch test to the point that the moisture um, kept that tenting for seconds longer than what it did on dry skin and so that's I never would have thought of that before that the moisture on the outside of the skin and how often do we hose our horses off in hot weather to kind of help cool and work that evaporation coolness um, to help them. And even the sweat that they're going to produce if your horse is really sweating and you're doing a pinch test at that point, then it's definitely not reliable as an indicator. But where we can kind of work it in is just kind of increasing our knowledge of how we can treat hydration and dehydration in horses. So if your horse is really sweating, they have losses 
And that's what we kind of need to focus on. You know, are they, do they have reflux? Because that's a big loss in horses. And obviously they don't vomit. So we end up, that's when we're stomach tubing them or when they have um, like mild colics and things like that. We're going to have more water losses. But sweating is going to be a big one for them as well. What I thought was so cool, though, is they were saying, um, I think it's within 15 minutes of a horse having access to water, they can rehydrate themselves. Um, so these working horses worked for approximately eight hours a day, roughly. Yeah. And that was pulling carts or carrying loads at moderate speeds in those high temperatures. So they said it could be considered the equivalent to a non-elite endurance athlete. And once they were given access to the water, they would immediately drink. And the horse will actually drink, I think it's 90% of its requirement within its first access to the water. And to me, that definitely ties into the fact that they are being vigilant because the Paper does also mention how vigilance plays a role with horses lifting their head up from the water. Mm-hmm. So no matter how many breaks they take to lift their head, it doesn't affect the volume they drink. They'll still drink to rehydration level, but they're going to keep lifting their head to be vigilant and look out for predators. And I also think that's why when they have the opportunity for a resource like water, they're going to try and correct that deficit and have evolved to do that in as yeah. quick an amount of time as possible because they don't know if they're going to have to flee that source and maybe not have access again. Yeah, they did say that the from zero minutes to 30 minutes, on average, they took in eight liters of water. And in gallons, that would be two gallons of water. So, and I see that on the racetrack. When we bring a horse off the track after a race, that initial consumption of water is always the largest. And 20 years ago, they used to tell us, don't let the horse drink more than 10 gulps and then move on, walk and cool, hose, bring back to the water bucket, 10 swallows and walk on. Now that's all changed to where they say, let the horse take as much as they can. And to me, that's hard to do because I was brought into the industry taught that you don't let them drink a whole bucket of water. So, but now research has changed all that where they do let horses drink as much as they want. And I tell you, I'm right with the old timers. Sometimes tradition gets a hold of me. (laughs) Yeah. I remember that now that you say it though, Nancy, being Mm -hmm. told that when I was a kid, that after hard work, you didn't want them to stick their head in and drink for too long because it would like throw off their stomach or it could give them like a colic. And I will say very rarely does a horse drink a whole bucket of water, which um, what is it? Five gallons, maybe 10 gallons. But here it's saying the average was eight liters, uh, give or take a liter. And, you know, that's two gallons of water. And back in the day, that was tough to do because there was a fallacy that said it will get, it will create colic. And you sure as heck didn't want them to drink 
cold water. And now that's all changed via research and all that. And uh, anyway, that was really interesting because you could see the um, dehydration, the osmolity, they call it in this, um, just dropped after 30 minutes. It was a huge drop. And then it continued to go down at 60 minutes and then started slowly to go back up at 120 and then by the time 300 minutes had elapsed it was um, back down again to the same amount as that 30 minute mark so this is really it's an older study but everything I've checked out the pack cell volume and it still holds true in research that the higher pack cell volume then that kind of leads you to to think dehydration. So all the blood work um, mentioned in this and then the osmolity, um, you know, I guess it would be protocol that they illustrate in the tables still holds true today. And the packed cell volume is something that is done very routinely. I'm very, it's a very um, simple tests that we can do in practice where you take a sample of blood and you use a tiny little glass tube that we call capillary tubes and fill it with a sample and then we close off one end of it and we spin it down in a machine called a centrifuge and that machine basically just spins at such a speed that the blood cells will be spun to one end of the tube and it'll separate the blood cells from the um I suppose, in simple terms, water content of the blood. So what we have above is the fluid portion, which we would call in medical terms the serum. And in the bottom, you have the packed red cells. Um, and then you have this very skinny layer in between, which is the white blood cell uh, layer, the buffy layer. But the basically, your packed cell volume is what percent of red blood cells are there in proportion to the amount of liquid. So if a horse is dehydrated, then we're going to have a higher packed cell volume because we're going to see those blood cells are taking up a larger proportion of the liquid, if that makes sense. So we're in very simple terms, if you had 10 mils of liquid and, you know, 50% was cells, as they get more dehydrated, the cell quantity won't change that's going to be standard but you're now going to have 50 cells in eight mils of liquid and then 50 cells in six mils of liquid so that percentage is increasing Um, and that's what kind of tells us and it's a great great test that is inexpensive and very easy to run. I also um, was not aware that they different sites to do the pinch test on. Now, I tend to always do it um, at the injection triangle along the neck. But like Kate said, some do it at the point of the shoulder. And then uh, they did it as well in the center of the chest. And then on each side, in each location regarding left to right, it was different. So that surprised me too, because if I um, go to look at a horse that I think is overheating or might be dehydrated, I'll do a pinch test initially just to see 
what what happens and I'll do it at that injection triangle and then I'll also pull up the lip and do the capillary refill look at the color of the gums and uh, this paper was pretty spot on that you can't go by mucous membranes either that that's going to be one of the last um, you know, a lot of times, even in the heat, you'll see their eyes are runny from the flies and all the pollen that's in the air during our hot weather. So um, they tried to take tissue paper or filter paper and put it in the eye and measure along the eyelid how much moisture they got. And it was just highly inaccurate. Um. And that's another great point because that's, again, just down to the perfusion. Mm -hmm. Color is quite a good one, though. So when you're looking at the mucous membranes and like Nancy said, you're doing that um, refills. What their color is, is a good assessment in checking the health of the horse. But there are, I thought it was interesting, you know, when you said the size of the horse differs and what they found was on the right-hand side of the horse, um, skin tenting maybe seems like it was quicker than on the left. I think that was the result. But they hypothesized at one point that is it potentially because the is right-handed? Um, yeah. Who knows? So I think definitely just as a guideline, it's probably useful that if you're left-handed, do your tests on the left side of the horse. And if you're right-handed, do it on the right side. And then, you know, it's consistent every time you do it. And just because yeah. it's not most accurate for telling us about rehydration, if you're doing it regularly on your horse, you know what's normal for your horse. So you'll see where there's a change in that individual. Yeah. And, and also, um, the younger the horse, the... Um, least amount of tenting remained. So from two to five years of age, they had pretty good pliability in their skin coat over older horses. So that was another fact that, that came out of this that I might not have ever thought of before, um, where the skin tenting is less reliable. If you suspect dehydration, According to this paper, and you present water to that horse, unless there's an underlying disease or condition, that horse has that drive to rehydrate and, and it will drink. And they do it, as we said, so accurately. Um, yeah. They did mention as well body weight and weighing the horses so they could then see what um, percentage essentially of fluid was lost. And this, I mean, this can be used as well, but I think realistically when we're trying to take research like this and make it useful to horse owners, um, you'd have to have a scales to be able to carry this out. I mean, there's no other way to be able to determine and you would have to have weighed your horse in the morning, weighed it in a couple hours, weighed it in a couple hours. So it's not uh, realistic to kind of use as something um, to kind of take from the paper and be able to use yourself as a horse owner. But it is possible to use that again in a clinical setting. That's a good point, Kate. You do need a digital scale. There's no doubt. Um, I was disagreed with 
one point in this paper and that they saw no significant effects of temperature, humidity, and water temperature on intake. And I do know that there's been current research that says heat and humidity does have effect on water consumption horse sweats it's going to drink more and I mm -hmm. see my horses come up so much more to the water trough when it's a hundred degrees Fahrenheit you know they they make multiple trips and I even have to add water sometimes to a hundred gallon tank and so I, I do think temperature makes a difference and that's why in cold weather we have to entice them to drink a little more because there's not that driver. They're not sweating. They're not, um, you know, feeling that need to cool themselves or drink. So I did kind of disagree with that. But, um, you know, that is a great point, though. I wonder if it's because over that two week period that they tested the horses, the temperature was somewhat stable. You know, it, it sat between 33 or yeah, 30, was it between 30 and 44 or something like that? Yeah. He was 33 and 40 to be precise, but because it didn't fluctuate greatly, I think, a, you know, a study where they're looking at them over different seasons would yeah. tell a different kind of version of events because in those two weeks, okay, the humidity may go up and down and the temperature is going up and down. But the horses are adapted to that climate, so it's maybe not varying enough for there to be an influence. Working eight hours a day, though, pulling carts. I mean, in Pakistan, these working horses, um, especially the brook that the brook um, kind of sponsor and oversee, they're hauling bricks and heavy loads. And it was 30 to 44 degrees Celsius, so 86 to 104 degrees Fahrenheit, sometimes 111, it said. Sometimes it got over um, that 104 mark. I see a difference anytime it starts to get in the upper 90s and over 100 here on their um, trips to the water trough. So I think you may be right there, Kate. 86, not so much, especially if it's cloudy and there's a little bit of a breeze. Um, but other than that, that's the only part of the paper I thought, hmm, I think I've the one we did on water intake talked about temperature and humidity affecting drinking behavior. So um, that was the one we did where um, they tracked the IV hydration and how fast the horses rehydrated um, when they wouldn't drink and they needed IVs. I can't remember the name of that paper, but I may put a link on the homepage to that one, um, just so as a reference, then that was a new paper. So yeah. the only part, this whole paper was wonderful to read as far as the mucous membranes, the pinch test, the hydration, and especially uh, the osmolity. I thought that is so interesting. Brilliant. I think the only other point I had for this paper was they said, um, offering palatable water to drink ad lib libitum, so, you know, freely, mm -hmm. provides both a simple diagnosis, if they drink, they needed it, so they were probably dehydrated to some degree, 
and a remedy for dehydration, which can be implemented by any person in the field. Um, so just two points on that. If you are concerned that your horse has um, a degree of dehydration where they're kind of becoming in any ways lethargic or they're slowing down, they're not quite themselves, call a vet straight away because dehydration can become very serious very quickly. And if they're not drinking, if you're offering them water and they're not drinking and you're concerned, call the vet because they may need to be stomach tubed with some water. They may need some IV fluids. Just don't take the risk. If it is really hot weather and you're seeing those signs of potential heat stroke. Um, and then the other thing about that sentence was palatable water. Um, clean your troughs <laughs> with something non-toxic, please. <laughs> but do, you know, scrub the troughs and you don't have to do it crazy regularly. I think we covered it in one episode where they had done this novel test and used goldfish to yeah. see if it affected the quality <laughs> of the drinking water. But um, definitely just make sure you are offering, I mean, cleaned out buckets, you know, try and not use a bucket that was storing something and then giving them water from it because they'll pick up on that and it, the water needs to be palatable to them. And, you know, um, in the same line, um, if you switch water sources, that could pose a problem. So if you're going to a show or to someone else's farm that may be on well water versus city water, make sure you take your own water. Um, they sell the water containers, take it with you just so you can offer the water that they're used to. Perfect. Yep. And just finally, big thank you again to Andy because that was a great paper. Um, and keep your requests coming in because we love to see what topics interest you and what can benefit you as well with your horse, what you need to know more about. Yeah, and I came across um, uh, Academia, which will offer this paper for free. You just sign up, you give your email, and you do have to create a password. I know sometimes that can be a pain, but if you sign up, they'll send you access to the paper. So in a way, it can be free access as well. Other than that, I'll put a link to the abstract. Brilliant. Well, that's all I had this week. Um, thanks so much, Nancy, and we'll chat again soon. Okay, bye-bye. Take care.